Chapter 37 of Laramie Holds the Range by Frank Spearman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter 37 Kate Burns the Stake. Laramie, held for a week in bed, learned from the doctor of Bell's outburst at Kate and, acting through him and with him, arranged peace. Complaining of a cold with her other troubles, Belle took to bed when Laramie was moved to the hotel, and Kate turned in to nurse her. "'You won't starve while she stays, Belle,' declared Carpy, leaving Kate in possession at the cottage. "'And while I think of it,' he added, turning to Kate, "'Laramie says he wants to see you. You call him up on the telephone, will you?' "'What for, doctor?' "'To oblige me, girl.' I want to hold that fellow in his room a few days more and keep his arm in a sling. He's no easier to handle than a wildcat. Kate looked perplexed. What shall I say to him? Carpy stood at the door with his hand on the knob. Jolly him along, you know how. He says he's coming down here for dinner tonight. Tell him Bell's sick. Bell listened. The more Kate considered the mandate, the more confusing it seemed. But she rang up the hotel, called for Laramie, and heard presently a man's voice in answer. "'Is this Mr. Laramie?' she asked. "'It is not,' was the answer. "'Isn't he there?' "'No.' "'Can you tell me when he will be in?' "'He won't be in.' She sighed with impatience. "'I want to speak to him, and I think this is he speaking.' "'You know very well who I am,' she persisted. "'I do, and I know very well who you are. "'In that you may be mistaken. "'Surely I'm not mistaken in believing Mr. Laramie a gentleman. "'But you are mistaken in believing any person by that name here. "'There's a person there who loves to persecute me, isn't there?' "'There is not. "'Is there one there that likes to have his own way?' No more than you like to have your own way. Is there a man named Jim there? Speaking, Kate, I've a message from Belle. What's the message? She's in bed with a cold and fever and wants you not to come tonight. As soon as she is up, she will let you know. Belle held her peace till Kate left the telephone. I can't make Dr. Carpy out, she grumbled. If he didn't want Jim Laramie to call down here, what did he ask you to call him up for? If he doesn't know any more than that about doctoring, she added contemptuously, I'd hate to take his medicine. She waited for Kate's comment, but Kate possessed the great art of saying nothing. I guess, continued Belle at length, it's time to take that pill he left, but I guess I won't take it. What do you think about it? she asked, referring again to Carpy. Kate was not to be drawn out. I found out a long time ago that Dr. Carpy doesn't tell all he knows, she observed dryly. But I do know he wants Laramie to stay in his room. He says his shoulder will never heal if he doesn't keep still. Bell made no response, but when Laramie knocked at the door in the evening, she knew who it was. Kate received him. Talking in leisurely fashion to her, he walked to the door of Belle's room, looked in, wanted to know whom she had been fighting with, 
and asked if she would get up and get supper for him. He carried his right arm at his side with the thumb hooked into his belt. "'Where's your sling?' demanded Bell tartly. Laramie pulled it out of his pocket. "'I put it on when Carpy comes around,' he explained. "'You keep fooling around the streets this way and they'll get you sometime,' said Bell tartly. He turned the remark. "'That idea doesn't seem to worry me as much as it used to. Have I got to cook my own supper?' This venture after discussion was assumed by Kate. She put on her hat to go across the street to get a steak. Laramie insisted on going with her. She asked him not to. Why not, he asked. Kate was keyed up with apprehension. Why take chances all the time, she asked in turn. Someone might shoot from the dark. Bell answered for him. Nobody in this country would shoot a man when a woman's with him, she said. Go along. The butcher, stumping in from the back room to wait on them, showed no surprise at the two from hostile camps asking for one steak. But he tried so hard to watch the pair and to hear what they were saying that he nearly ruined one quarter of beef before he got what Kate wanted. What he finally cut off and trimmed looked more like a roast than a steak, but neither customer seemed disturbed by this. Laramie paid, over indignant protests, and placing the package in the loop of his left arm, opened the shop door for his companion. He passed out behind her in excellent spirit. The butcher, looking after them, took his surreptitious pipe from his pocket, watched the shop door close, shook his head, and ramming the burnt tobacco down hard with the finger that lacked the first joint, stumped back to his lonely stove. The kitchen was farthest removed from Bell's room. Laramie started the fire with kerosene. When he lighted it, there was a flare-back that alarmed Bell in her bed, but she could hear nothing of what was going on in the kitchen. While the supper was being cooked, Laramie stood on the other side of the stove from his enemy's daughter, watching every move. If Kate walked over to the cupboard, his eyes followed her step. She walked with such decision and planted her heels so fast and firm. If she turned from the stove to the table, his eyes devoured her slenderness in amazement that one so delicately proportioned could so crowd everything else out of his head. It seemed as if nothing before had ever been shaped like her ankles. There was so little of them to bear uncomplainingly even so slight a figure and Kate was by no means diminutive. As the supper progressed, Laramie watched almost in awe the short-armed jabs she gave the meat on the broiler. The cuffs of her shirtwaist, half back to her elbows, revealed white arms tapering to wrists molded like the ankles, and hands that his eyes fed on as a miner's feed on gold. The blazing coals flushed her cheeks, and when she looked up at him to answer some foolish question, her own eyes, flushed and softened by the heat, took on an expression that stole all the strength he had left. When she asked him how he liked it, he exclaimed, Fine, and Kate had to ask him whether he liked the steak, well done, or rare. Any way you like it, he stammered, but lots of gravy. 
as he watched her laugh at his efforts to help her by picking up the hot platter a sense of his own clumsiness and size and general roughness overcame him she was too far removed he told himself from his kind to make it possible for her ever to like him the closer he got to her daintiness and spirit and laughter the more hopeless his wild dreams seemed whenever she asked if the steak were cooked enough he suggested to prolong the pleasure of watching her hands that she give it one more turn every moment he saw something new to admire while she was attending to the meat he could look at her hair and see where the sun had browned her pink throat and neck as the brawling drew near an end almost a panic gripped laramie the happiest moments of his life had been spent there at the stove they were slipping away she was lifting the steak the last time from the fire he asked her to turn it once more why look at it she exclaimed it's burnt up now hold the platter closer it brought him closer in spirit than he had ever been to heaven to feel her elbow brush against his own as she deftly landed the smoking steak on the platter while laramie held it a great melancholy overcame him what do you want me to do he said suddenly kate's eyebrows rose she looked at him why set it on the table she laughed no i mean what do you want me to do myself she could not wholly misunderstand his look though little did he realize how she feared it or what a dread respect she secretly had for the grave eyes so closely bent on her own she laughed really to gather courage and it was easy to laugh a little because he did look so odd as he stood before her with the platter in both hands but terribly in earnest set the platter on the table before you burn yourself she pleaded you must want me to do something he persisted get off the earth or stay on it now don't you say what you want me to do and bah he checked himself and i'll do it she could restrain him but she could not turn him he did put the platter on the table without getting any answer but now that his mind was set it reverted stubbornly to the one subject and when supper was over and they sat opposite each other in the little dining-room talking she said she knew he had burned his hands i wouldn't mind if i had he remarked frankly almost every time i've talked with you i've held the hot end of a poker i'm getting to look for it he drew a deep breath you never liked me did you kate that isn't so you always kind of held off perhaps i was a little afraid of you you're not afraid of me now are you with one arm out of commission are you she looked at him in a troubled sort of way why no not very she returned half laughing you were never half as much afraid of me as i was of you he murmured his eyes across the table were growing very importunate she could not realize how flushed and soft and tantalizing her own eyes were framed by the warm color high in her cheeks she rose with a hurried exclamation and looked dismayed at him her hands tilted on the table 
her brows high and her burning eyes still laughing we've left the light on by the stove all this time she whispered belle will be furious she slipped hurriedly out into the kitchen and turned off the light her face was hot she was thirsty and stepping to the water faucet she picked up a glass the mountain water tasted so cold and good in some way it made her think of great peaks and the crisp clean air of his home far up among them she had not realized how heated she was do you want a drink she called back to the dining room he was standing directly behind her she turned only to stumble against him and before she knew what had happened he was raining kisses on her resisting cheeks then his lips found hers and faint with the moment she resisted no more after a long time she got one hand around his neck and laid the other across his mouth don't make so much noise she whispered wildly bell will hear us end of chapter thirty seven